Thank you, Dr. Getch, for asking me to come. It's been a long time since I've been here uh, in, as a student, and uh, we used to have chapel in Modular C right over here. I remember having uh, to go over there because of construction and things, and, and uh, that was just a handful of students at the time. And man, it does my heart so much good to see all of you here. And I want to preach a message that I think the Lord put on my heart back in May as I was reading through this book. And of all the things that I could preach, I figure you guys get to hear some of the things like, you know, Bible college is the best place to backslide. And you, people come in here and, and uh, try to say all kind of things to maybe stir you. I would like to encourage you today. I would like to put something out in front of you that I wish someone would have put in front of me 16 years ago. And though I don't doubt and question the sovereignty of God, I am very thankful for what I have experienced in the ministry And I want to give you a taste of that before you get there. And so if you would look with me in Hebrews chapter 12, many of you could probably quote this passage of Scripture. But I want to read down through verse 3. And and there's no doubt that we have heard combined in this room messages, probably thousands of them from this passage. And I promise you what I'm going to say is nothing new. But I learned a long time ago that if you come to chapel or you come to church looking for nothing, you're going to find it every time. But if you've come today with a heart that's open and a heart to say, Lord, will you just please speak to me? No matter what the message is, here's what I know, and I've been doing this long enough. He will. And it'll be exactly what you need. And so let's read this morning just three verses, and then we'll jump in here. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I'm very grateful for the travel mercies and the day of life that you've already given to us. Lord, I'm thankful to be in this special place, and Lord, you know in my heart this is a very special place. Lord, you've done many mighty works in me, and beginning right here, and you have sustained those, that work, over these years, and I'm so grateful. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach here this morning, and I pray that you'd help me. I yield myself to you afresh and anew. I ask that you'd help me to be emptied of anything self-sufficient, Lord, or vain, that I could have the privilege of being filled with your Spirit. I pray, in fact, Lord, you just make me a vessel and that you would preach through me your message for us, your people. God, I thank you for Pastor, and I thank you for Dr. Getch, for Dr. Rasmussen, Lord, the years that they have mentored me, counseled me, prayed for me, and helped me. And God, I pray for all of these students here. I'm very thankful that they're here today. Lord, there are probably maybe one or two here that don't feel like being here anymore. There may be some here that are struggling. It may be a personal trial. It may be a physical trial. It may be some kind of spiritual battle that they're in. And I don't know why you put this message on my heart, but for the one or more that may be here that need it, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them. I know that I needed it. And so I pray that you would take your word, that it would have free course amongst us. I pray that your spirit would have complete liberty. And God, whatever you want us to decide upon today however you want us to change to be more like christ i pray that we would god i pray that every one of these students would make it to the ministry 
And I pray that they would make an impact all over the world. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Normally when I sit down to work on the church calendar, I always make sure that somewhere out in the future there are some dates for family vacations, for getaways, and things like that. I figured out somehow what we have to look forward to in the future always helps us to maintain in the present. When we have something to look forward to, it always makes the mundane day-to-day things a little more tolerable. The Christian life is a life of diligence. It's a life of effort. It's a life that you can't take for granted. It's a life, it is a life that must be lived on purpose exactly like the Lord Jesus lived it. Because of that, we are always in need of something to look forward to. Because it's something that we can never really back off from. You've often heard it say that you're either going forward or going backward. In the Christian life, there's no stagnant ground. There's no immobility I'm either going forward for Christ or I'm going backward for Christ. And because of that, to be honest, it can be a little tiresome. We sometimes say, you know, we get around other people who maybe have the same heart and it feels good. And we say this to kind of let down. Well, let me just say from experience, if you let down, the devil's going to come in. And we have to remember that. And as we do, uh, we can get some kind, sometimes burden, and we can get a little weary in the race. We're very familiar with the passage of Scripture as to some of the details of what needs to go on in order to run the race. And I'll not go through the entire passage as normal, but you know that the race that God's given you, the will of God for your life, let's just put it out there since we're at a Bible college, the ministry is the goal for your life. And as God would have you to progress in that and in that walk and, and to go down that line, Uh, There are things that easily beset you. There are some things that we can attach ourselves to. We would call those weights. Those things that, you know, we enjoy. Some of them could be sports. It could be another relationship. There are things that just would weigh you down so that the race is not run like it could be uh, run. And and certainly that's obvious. We see that. And then, of course, there's the sin. We attach ourselves to the weights. The sin attaches itself to us. Or at least we allow it to. Those are the things that God says, listen, you're supposed to lay those aside, and we know that we're supposed to lay those aside, and we know that we're supposed to look to Jesus. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and, and as I was reading this passage of Scripture, embedded in it, as I, as I was uh, just going through my devotions one day, there was a principle that, uh, that, that just immediately stood out to me. In this passage is a statement about why the Lord endured. Now look. The fact of the matter is, if you're going to graduate from here and live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be some difficult days in your life. And I'm not here as one of those preachers to say, oh, the ministry is awful. And, you know, it's just full of bad days. No, there are bad days and there are good days. But the fact of the matter is, if, if Jesus endured contradiction of sinners, we're probably going to have to as well. And the reality of the ministry is that when you decide to do what's right, the devil is going to do everything in his power to hinder that work in your life. He's going to do everything in his power to get you to be discouraged. And yet, I'm reminded that at one point, I think that the Lord had to finally lay it down in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, you know, I know what's coming before me, and I know I see the cross, and I know I'm going to have to die, but Father, if there's any other way, could you let this cup pass from me? And then he resigned, didn't he? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And right here in this passage of Scripture, this statement in verse 3, I'm sorry, in verse 2, it says, 
who for the joy that was set before him. You know what? Jesus had something to look forward to. You know what he was looking forward to? In fact, if you read the account in Acts chapter 2, you'll remember that Peter, when he was preaching in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, he relayed some messianic psalms out there. And he, he, said, he, he mentioned the fact that the Lord Jesus, not only would he be kept from his body rotting in the grave, but there was a joy set at the right hand of God that was waiting for him. In fact, you read it in the Gospels. You know what Jesus looked forward to? Being with his daddy. He really couldn't wait to have that glory restored back with him. And that was the preeminent joy that he was looking forward to. That would get him through the garden all the way to Calvary, into the tomb, and he would be right back at his father's right hand. What a, what a blessing. And I suppose if we were all spiritual enough, we would say, that's the greatest joy we can have to keep us going in the race. It's to look forward to being with God in heaven. And certainly that is promised to us. By the way, if you're, if you're thankful and you're excited about being on the way to heaven, say amen this morning. Okay, I'm excited about that. But I must be honest with you. Sometimes in my flesh and in the ministry, that's not enough. In Bible college, I didn't look forward to graduating because I thought I'm going to be in heaven with God someday. I wish I would have been that spiritual, but I didn't. Instead, there were, it was just one thing that I looked forward to, graduating. That would be a good goal. i just like to graduate. How many would like to graduate? How many are getting ready to graduate this year? You can't wait. That's something to look forward to. Well, as I thought about all of you sitting in this chapel and some of you counting down the days to finally graduate, I thought of all that you have to look forward to. That is, if you don't grow weary already. See, we can go through the day-to-day and get the projects and have to sit in the classes and, look, I've been there. I've done that. I've got the T-shirt. It gets tiresome. Up at 7.30, going to Greek. It's awful. It's one of the worst things ever. I think they should replace waterboarding with Greek at 7.30, terrorists. I think they should. Now, look, if, if you love Greek and you're the Greek teacher, and I don't even know who's doing Greek anymore, God bless you for that. That's awesome. But for the most of us dumb people, we really didn't like Greek at 7.30 in the morning. All right? The fact of the matter is, if you're a senior, you know what it's like to get tired. You know what it's like to go, one more week, one more month, one more year. I get it. But there's a blessing waiting for you if you don't quit. I got to be honest. I wanted to quit. My junior year was my hardest year. I wanted to quit so bad I couldn't take it anymore. I got in my van. You remember my ugly gray van that I used to drive? Remember that? The gray whale. It was awful. But it was free, and that meant it was the best. I drove out Lancaster Boulevard as far as I could drive, and I pulled over the side of the road, and I, I was mad. And I didn't, want to, I didn't want to come back to school. I wanted to quit. Nothing was going right. Probably nobody in here has ever had that thought. And I wanted to quit. And God said, you can't. Because I'm not done with you. I said, but I'm done. He said, no, you can't quit. There's something that you don't know that's waiting for you. So don't quit. Now, I'm not going to show you. Sound familiar? I just want you to leave here, Abraham. And I'll show you where to go. And I said, I guess I was dumb enough to say okay to God. And so I did it. 
And man, I'm so glad I did it. And I wish there was, I, I wish there was something inside of me today that it could explain that, but I can't explain it. And so I want to give you something to look forward to if you don't quit. Some of you sitting in this room know someone who you think in your mind may not make it. Can I just say this? If you follow a quitter, you'll quit. The passage tells me that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So you know who I want to follow? A finisher. I want to look to Jesus who not only began it all, but he ran it all and he won it all for his glory and for my sake. He did that so that I could do all things through Christ. So if there's someone to follow, it's Jesus. And if he had something set before him, which was the glory of God, maybe there's a few things in ministry just short of the glory of God that kind of give us a glimpse of what that must have been like for him. Now, I wished that many, some, many preachers would have been up here and said, hey, listen, this is what you get forward to look, uh, uh, look forward to when you're in the ministry, but they didn't. By the way, that's nobody's fault. God just didn't have that for me. And maybe this will help you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're called to do. I just know this, everything in your life has been working together by God's grace to get you to this point. Every sermon and every class has been carefully planned by God to help you make it to the ministry. By the way, so don't fight against that. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Thank, thank Him for it and welcome it and, and by faith act upon it, but don't frustrate it. God's brought you to this point. The point of this message today is to try to help you Uh, to look forward to something if you don't quit. I'm so grateful for that drama presentation. Nobody, what history would be rewritten if there was nothing but quitters. We would not be here. There'd be no reason to stand and preach because Jesus himself didn't quit. So if that's the case, then may we press on. May we be able to, may, may we take the words of the apostle Paul, who by the way, wasn't a quitter. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight. May we take those and make them our words. And may we say, by the grace of God, I'm going to finish. I'm going to make it to the end. If you decide to endure, if you decide to run and not grow weary and to walk and not faint, then there are, I believe, three invaluable gifts that God wants to present you in the ministry. And they are waiting for you. Seniors, listen to me. Especially if you've been called by God to preach the word of God. These things were waiting for me and I had no idea what they were, but they were waiting for me and they're waiting for you. I want to give them to you today. First of all, I believe that you have waiting for you the unprecedented power of Almighty God. Unprecedented power of God. How did Jesus make it to the cross? He made it by grace. How did he lay himself down for the lives of those who needed to be saved? By grace, by the power of God. How did he get raised from the grave? By the power of Almighty God. And that's what you have waiting for you in the ministry. You know, I learned a long time ago that human beings can only do so much, but with God all things are possible. I learned that what the Bible says is true, that the ministry is about people, about people going to heaven, about people living for God. And Christians in ministry who wear the weight and hide the sin don't get to see the power of God at work. Amen. You've got to be willing to lay those things aside if you're going to see God's power. But for those who will endure and follow him, here's what they get to see. You know what's waiting for you? The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the power of the gospel. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What was waiting for me was a little lady named Mary. Mary Sandoval was 65 years old. She was baptized a Catholic. For 65 years, she was hollow inside. And she came to our church and she said, I don't understand it. I went to the Catholic church. I've gone all my life and I'm just empty. I can't find what I need. And so I decided to come here. And I went over to Mary's house and I had the privilege of sitting down with her and showing her that Jesus was the only mediator between God and man and that she needed to be saved. And guess what happened? She did. I had no idea that six months later she'd have stomach cancer. Neither did she, but God did. And I watched God change the life of a mom. And I watched God change the life of her daughter. And I watched her accept the cancer. And I watched her go on for Jesus and be faithful in spite of it. How is that possible? It's impossible without the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ was waiting for a man named Carlos Panetto who enrolled his son and daughter into our school and they decided to come and check out our church one Sunday. If we're going to put our kid in the school, we might as well hear what the church is all about. Carlos decided to come to our church and he sat down in amazement as he heard the Bible preached for the first time, though he had been in a charismatic church for 11 years. He walked out and I'll never forget it. He stood at the door with his mouth open and he said, I cannot believe what I heard. That's a quote. I have never in my life heard preaching like that. Three weeks later, his wife decided to go on a ladies' retreat with our church. During the ladies' retreat, Maria got saved and she came home and she decided to tell her husband all of what was going on. And guess what happened? Carlos said, sweetheart, I don't know what happened to you. And I thought I was saved, but whatever happened to you ain't never happened to me. Will you lead me to Christ? She took out the gospel track and led her husband to Christ. They came to our church. They came and they said, Pastor, we need to be baptized. I just got saved. My wife got saved and, and, and we've never known anything like this. Will you help us? No, I said, I won't help you. Of course, I said, I'll help you. Everybody's like, really? They don't know how to take me. <laughs> and I helped them. And I showed them what it meant to be a Christian. This is the greatest story in 13 years of ministry, in my opinion. Five months later, his brother, Leo Panetto, is getting ready to get married. And he decided to go church hopping. And they decided to come to Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. And they started hearing preaching of the Bible. And it, it was different than anywhere else they've been. And they had been visiting other places. And they had all the Starbucks cards to prove it. They had all of the promotional material to prove it. But they had never heard Bible preaching. And you know what drew them there? Carlos was different. Carlos was changed and Leo sat in my backyard and said, Pastor, do you know why I got saved? Because something happened to my brother that doesn't happen to Panetto men. He was an angry man and God saved him and God changed him. And I wanted you to know that I'm saved today because God saved my brother. Hallelujah. What is that? That's the power of the gospel of Christ. Listen to me. You quit. You don't graduate. You don't make it in the ministry. You stop preaching the word of God and you will never see that. You don't get that privilege. God says, I've got it waiting for you. But wait, there's more. I feel like Monty Hall, make a deal. But wait, there's more. You don't just get to see the power of the gospel of Christ. You get to see the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You get to see it in living color. You get to see the Holy Spirit when you preach, do something amazing. Do you know this? I am addicted to the ministry like the first fruits of Achaia, like Stephanus' house. 
I'm addicted to watching the Holy Spirit of God move in a person's heart when I preach the Word of God and them sit there and they weep like they did Sunday night and my wife and I got a text after church and said, Pastor, you have no idea what I was going through and that message that you trusted God for spoke to my heart and I bent down and I said to God, God, I haven't trusted you like I needed to and I want you to take control of me. That's what you have to look forward to if you don't quit. Now, I don't know if that motivates you, but it motivates me. I want to go home and preach to my people. I want to stand in the pulpit and watch God work. I want to watch God work in the heart of a couple that comes down at the altar and spends a good 10 or 15 minutes weeping, begging God for revival. I want to watch a mama get burdened for her daughter. I want to watch a dad get burdened for his son and pray and weep and watch God work. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what you have to look forward to. Oh, I know it's taunting. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do either. I I just trusted God. I just did what I was taught to do. Well, I suppose I need to have a message. It better be a Bible message. So I might as well get up. And if I'm going to preach a Bible message, I might as well get a hold of the author. Holy Spirit of God, I need you. And I started thinking about how I could not do it. By the way, I learned from a great teacher right here that you don't have to help God. You can't improve on his word, Dr. Getz used to say. That's why he just plagiarizes it. When you do that, you know what God does? He honors his word. The Holy Spirit of God takes a hold of people's hearts, and you get to watch that. Oh, you get to watch other things, too, like crazy things. We had a a halfway house right across the street from our old church on Yagas Boulevard, and uh, some of you, I don't don't think our students that that are here will remember, we called him Batman. There was a guy... You know, it's not quite all there, a few rocks short of a quarry, you know, so to speak. And he, uh, I saw him out the, remember the big glass doors we had in our old, uh, our old auditorium? And he came over from the halfway house on Sunday morning just in time for preaching like they always know how somehow. I don't know how they know. He stood outside the doors and had a black cape on. And he was, if that's the door, he was walking outside the door. He turned and he'd walk like this. I'm standing there preaching. And I'm looking out there going, oh, this is not good. I'm preaching, giving references. And he took those back doors open and he went whoosh. Those big back doors. And he held his cape out and he came right down the aisle to the front row. I'm not joking. He walked down that aisle. So I did what I was taught to do. I walked to this side of the, and I was like, hey, 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 look up here. Nobody looked at me. They all looked at Batman. (laughs) Batman came down and he sat on the front row. And I'm supposed to be preaching. Morris was on our staff at that time. Morris was sitting over here and he came right here. And he bent down. Morris went. Because he thought he was going to come up. He's going to tackle him. (laughs) He sat down in the front row. As God is my witness, I preached for 30 minutes. And I thought this guy was going to steal the whole show. God stole the whole show. You know what he did? Nothing. He sat there and I'm not joking. His eyes went like this the whole time. He was as demented as a person as I have ever seen in my life. When he walked down, I said, God, please, in the name of Christ, don't let this guy interrupt. And he did not How is that possible? Power of the Holy Spirit of God arrested him right there. By the way, I'm not a charismatic We don't have a charismatic church. We don't speak in tongues. We don't drink wine. We don't do any of that stuff. We don't run laps. We don't do any of that. 
But I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God that convict a soul, the power of God that can arrest a maniac right there is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I want it every single Sunday and I look forward to it. I expect it. I want God to work, but it doesn't happen if I quit. If I quit on Monday, nothing happens on Sunday. If I quit on Saturday, nothing happens on Sunday. Let me give you something else. The power of God's word, man, I'm going to be forever. Let me make a quick statement. I'm going to move on. God's word changes lives. So preachers, in fact, you're called to preach. I want you to stand up. You know it. Now, this is a testimony. Listen, fellas. If you're called to preach the word of God, then preach the word of God. You don't compromise it. You don't change it. You don't have to do anything about it. God's already inspired it. So just stay faithful. You'll watch that word do things that you never thought possible could do. I have sat in counseling sessions and I've been with people who thought there was no way out of this. There's just no possible way. There's no counsel that can help. And yet you sit down, sir, with the word of God and the spirit of God and a compassionate heart and that word will change your life right in front of you. You have that to look forward to if you don't quit. The power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word of God. You may be seated. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm encouraged every time I have someone come to me and say, I so appreciate Bible preaching. We live now in a post-Christian society. When people come to our church, they've never heard the Bible preached. They've heard all kinds of ways about how to organize their life and how to have a happy this and to live your best life now. And they've never heard someone take the Bible and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've never had someone preach verse by verse. And you know what? It's astonishing to people. Guess what? They came thirsty. They they left filled. They got it. That's what you have waiting for you. And and to be honest, it doesn't matter whether you're called to pastor or called to preach or called to be a missionary or called to be a, a teacher or called to be a music man or called to help a man of God. The fact of the matter is you have unprecedented power waiting for you if you won't grow weary. If you won't quit, there is something God has for you. Secondly, there's undeserving privileges. You ever been able to do something really cool and, 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 and you can't believe you get to do it? Several years ago when I was in the Air Force, I got to fly an F-16. Coolest thing ever in the possible world I could ever experience. I pulled nine Gs in an F-16 and didn't pass out. And, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And... Uh, I thought, wow, this is a pretty good privilege. Not very many people who don't have a pilot's license get to do this. A couple years ago, I got tickets given to me to sit behind home plate, three rows from the general manager of the Oakland A's, three rows from home plate. That wasn't the cool part. The cool part was all you can eat. Amen, Dr. R? (laughs) And I say that because you're the only one there. He doesn't eat, so I just figured you, you know. (laughs) I got to sit there, my wife, I said, I text her, honey, we're on this channel, watch us. So she watched me the whole game. You know what she texts back? What are you eating now? What are you eating now? What are you eating now? I'm like, what are you like, the food police? Let me alone, I want to eat. 
I ate hot dogs, corn dogs, I ate red vines, all the candy, all the soda. I was like a, I was, over, I was really a glutton that day. It was awesome. It was unbelievable. I thought, what a privilege. I get to sit three, row, three seats away from the general manager. And I thought, man, I don't deserve this. This is really cool. Can I have another? <laughs> but I remember the night I became the pastor. I remember celebrating five years. First time my family and I had ever been anywhere in five, for, for five years straight. I remember celebrating 10 years. Here last month, we celebrated 13 years as the pastor. And you know what I've got to do sometimes when I watch God save a soul and I watch God transform a family and I watch a child come home, I have to pinch myself because I think I get to do this. I get to open my Bible every day and say, God, would you please show me what you have for your people? I get to do that. I get to go visit with people when they want to come and say, hey, can you tell me about your church? I get to do that. I get the privilege of making disciples. I get the privilege to teach someone to observe all the things that God has taught me to observe. I get the privilege of teaching people how to pray. You ever had people that, I don't know how to pray. Okay, well, just listen to me. Okay. Well, you have people, don't call on me to pray for the offering. Okay, I won't. And then eventually they come to me and say, Preacher, I think I'm ready. You could call on me today. Wonderful, Tony, I will. I get to the privilege to teach people how to read their Bible. I get to put things into their hands that motivate them to walk with God. I get the privilege of making disciples. And you know what? If you don't quit, you will too. I led one person to Christ in three and a half years here at this Bible college. By the way, that did not make me a bad soul winner. Because I was obedient. You get it? The first person I led to Christ in Morgan Hill was a 10-year-old boy, and I wept. The last person I just led to Christ last month, I wept again, was my wife's nurse in my office. She said, I'm ready. I want you to teach me how to become a Christian. She's from Cameroon. I said, I don't know if I can do that. I wouldn't have been able to do that had I quit. If I quit studying, if I quit preparing... I get the privilege of giving direction when people ask of it to counsel. I'm sure there may be someone who's sitting here and they just can't wait to tell someone what they ought to be doing. That's not counsel. It's taking the word of God and ushering them through to see that there is a will of God that is not only good, not only acceptable, but it's perfect for them. If they'll just give it a shot, Justin Farmer graduated from this place. He told me what he was going to do with his life. He said, hey, I'm just going to appease my parents. I'm going to come here for one year and then I'm going to be a firefighter and then I'm going to be a paramedic. And he, he, he just laid it all out. I'm going to the military and they're going to help me. And I said, man, that's great. Can you do me one favor? Will you just pray? Justin, when you go down there, will you just pray? And will you just keep your heart open and say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. He said, okay, pastor, I promise. We well, came down here and guess what happened? God got a hold of him. He's now the administrator of our Christian school. Why? Oh, I suppose I could have said, uh, Lord, it's none of my business what this guy does with his life. But that's what I have to do as a preacher. I have to give God a chance in people's lives who are not willing to give God a chance. And I say, hey, listen, this is a big deal. I remember going home 
one time after somebody came into my office and said, I need to know the will of God for my life. I, no one had ever asked me that before. I fumbled, jumbled, went through some scriptures, kind of helped them a little bit as much as I could. I went home and I wept. My wife said, what's wrong? I said, honey, this is the real deal. If I give the wrong counsel and that family goes out and does something and, and, and it doesn't work out, do you know who they're going to blame? Me. It's going to be my fault that nothing works out. I better be in touch with God. I better make sure I'm in the will of God. This is what I get to do. You get to do that too if you make it. If you decide I'm not going to grow weary, I'm not going to get trapped by sin or weight, I get the privilege of making disciples. You get the privilege of giving direction. You get the privilege of amazing grace. Oh, we sing the song, how sweet the sound, but I will tell you, after dealing with embezzlement, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, and having to bring people before the church like the church is supposed to, watching the grace of God fall on the people is amazing. Just Sunday night, we had a lady that came up in front of the church uh, uh, on her own, stood in my pulpit and said, I want to ask God to forgive me and I want to ask my church family to forgive me. And guess what we did? We forgave her. You know what I witnessed? In 15 minutes, Dr. Getch, God did more in that 15 minutes from that time she came up and what I had to say and what the church family did than I did in 45 minutes of preaching. 15 minutes. What happened? The grace of God fell out. Not one soul left that building. Not one soul left that building until they consoled that woman and her family and said, we'll be praying for you. On Tuesday, she got on a plane and went to Rockford, Illinois for RU. She sent a picture to me and said, Pastor, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all that you've done for my family. What is that? That's grace. You get to do that. You get the privilege of doing that and seeing those things if you don't quit. If you decide to make it, let me give you in five minutes the last thing. Unprecedented power, undeserving privileges. Thirdly, unparalleled purpose of God. That's what's waiting for you, the unparalleled purpose of God. Unparalleled. You know why I say that? Because the devil is a counterfeiter. And between this message and the day that you walk across this platform, you're going to be given everything under the sun, every reason as to why you don't need to go into the ministry. As to why you need to change your mind. You remember, oh, it's the will of God for me to come. God's called me and I want to go. And you made it here. So then by the time you graduate, the will of God's changed somehow. I remember when Dr. Getz, I said to him, I said, Doc, I said, how do I know I'm still called? He said to me these words. He said, if he called you once, he'll call you again. Just ask him. What, what, do we honestly think that God's, like, he, he, he's going to withhold from us? No, you need to, he's going to play hide and seek with the will of God? No. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. The fact of the matter is, God has an unparalleled purpose for your life waiting for you. There's a people somewhere waiting for you. There are students waiting for you. There are souls that need to be saved that are waiting for you if you decide to keep going. If you don't quit, there's a lot you will never learn about the ministry until you get into the ministry. But I'm here to tell you that if you're called to preach the gospel or teach to children, his will is not only good and acceptable, it's perfect. So don't be afraid of it. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Paul said, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I'll make two statements and we're done. God's purpose is not to start I'm sorry, God's purpose is not to start his will, but to finish his will. He was the author and finisher. What did he say on the cross? Three words. Ready? Let's say it together. It is. We've known a lot of people in our life, those of us that have been around a little while and saved, a lot of people start. A lot of starters. But where are the finishers? You remember the Apostle Paul, I fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. You know, it's funny, nobody quotes a Christian who says, well, I fought as well as I could. I almost finished my course, nobody quotes those guys. Let me make the second statement for everyone in this room, and I want you to write it down. It's too soon to quit. Put this word, it is always too soon to quit. Think about the disciples, a ragtag bunch of guys. We're given the gospel and Jesus, the manifestation of the glory of God, entrusted the gospel to these 11 misfits. And guess what? It worked. We're here as living proof that people just like us can still struggle and will fall and will quit. But if uh, we'll give up sometimes, but if we don't quit, guess what happens? It changes eternity. It makes a difference. We have the gospel today because of the 11 individuals that decided that no matter what happens, I'm not growing weary. No matter what happens to me or anywhere around me, I am going to keep going. And they did. And you're here as a living proof of that. I wonder who's waiting for you who needs the gospel. I wonder what family is going to be changed. Only eternity will reveal how many more lives could have been changed if pastors, if deacons, if faithful Christians would have finished than just started. I came to school here in January of 1998. One of the first statements that caught my attention was when I heard Dr. Getz say the goal was, their goal was to produce graduates. And as a married student, I think I had a little bit of an advantage being in the military for six years. That was my goal. Bingo. My goal for the next three and a half years is to graduate. And I set my mark. From that day on, I was determined to finish. I couldn't wait to get into the ministry. I had no idea what I was doing or what to expect. And I have had more than my share of opportunities to quit, ladies and gentlemen. I was telling one of the secretaries earlier... I don't know if I'm spiritual or just too stubborn to quit. But I won't. I keep in this Bible that I got from Dr. Getch when I graduated. I showed Dr. R. earlier. A picture of being right here on this platform when I was ordained. One of the greatest moments of my entire life. Privileged. Do you know what happens if I quit? This never happens. If I quit, Carlos and Leo Panetto may not ever make it to heaven. The kids that I have dedicated, the people that I have married, may not ever, ever have a chance at the will of God if I decide to quit. And there are people waiting for you. There are people whom God has prepared because that is your purpose. 
And I'm simply telling you that there are some great things that are waiting for you in the ministry. And yes, you're going to have to endure contradiction. And yes, you're going to have to shrug off the weights. And you're going to have to confess the sin. But I will tell you as God is my witness, it's worth every day. It is worth every pain to see someone come down as they did on Sunday and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. It's amazing. It's amazing grace. So let me ask you this. What are you looking forward to? Is it to get out? Is it to get married? That's always a good thing. Is it to, is it to, is it, is it, is it prestige? Because see, if we're not careful, we'll put our mark on the wrong thing in Bible college. When we're supposed to be looking to Jesus, we're looking at all the buildings. We're looking at a travel preaching itinerant. We're looking at all of the outward manifestations and God says, I've got something far greater than that. I don't care whether you're in a storefront or in a school front or if you're in a trailer or a tent. There are people waiting for you. There is the power of God waiting for you. And what you think you cannot do, I'm glad because God says, I can do it. What are you looking forward to? I hope it's unprecedented power. I hope that you are waiting for the the unparalleled purpose of God. And I hope that you make it. I don't care what it takes. Let everything, lay everything else aside today. Here's what I want you to do. Trust God and go. Run your race and follow the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you and we thank you for all that you have done to get us to this point. God, these students are in this room today because you're awesome. Because you are unfathomable. You are, you're amazing. And God, I praise you for being so good and so glorious. I praise you for being holy. And God, I thank you for being so merciful. You've given many of us the privilege of talking with people about the gospel. And you've given us the privilege of serving in the ministry. And I know, Lord, I know the the mindset of the student is, is not about what's ahead. It's about right now. God, give them a glimpse of the wonderment of ministry. They get to see people's lives change. They get to dive into the word of God. They get to give counsel that makes a difference for eternity. I pray that you minister to them today. I pray that somebody is encouraged. I pray, God, that you would deliver them from doubt and fear. With heads bowed and eyes closed, many are already here this morning. Would you make a a determination to just say to the Lord, God, I've not been looking forward to the right things, but today... I want to look forward to the right things. Can I just say this? You don't have to wait until you get to the ministry to have the power of God in your life, ladies and gentlemen. You need it today. You're struggling in sin today. You need it. You're going to be bound and held by the cords of your sin without it. Maybe you need to get up out of your seat. You're already not down here. And you're struggling. You know, as well as I do, and so does God, that if you don't break this chain of sin, you're going to quit. Someone is going to go out into eternity because you decided your sin was better than the power of God. Why don't you get up out of your seat and come down here right now? Just confess to God, God, I I need you so bad. I confess to you my sin. Name it to God. Claim the forgiveness and trust Him for the result. You don't have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit of God in the ministry. You need it right now. Someone you're dealing with on your bus route. Somebody you're ministering to needs you to have the filling of the Spirit. Don't wait. Have it today. But whatever you do, don't quit. 
Make the decision today. Nail it down. Tack it down. Whatever you have to do. Etch it in blood. I don't care. Whatever you do, don't quit. Graduate. Get to the ministry. Stay clean. Stay right. And watch God do an amazing work in you.